0: Well, hello, hello, plant people, plant friends. Welcome to Plow and Hoes, and welcome to my backyard. I have a wonderful announcement. I'm really excited to announce that after all the rain that we have been getting in Taylor in Central Texas, we finally, we finally got our grass mowed It was so tall that you couldn't really walk to the garden without your legs getting all itchy and your pant legs getting wet because of all the rain and whatnot. You know, parts of the lawn had gotten so, so tall that my one little cat could go out there and you couldn't even see her. She would totally hide out there. You couldn't see her at all. And it was getting so tall that (laughs) I was starting to think that we might need to start considering to find somebody that could come out and bale it and make hay bales for us. But thank God we got a little break in the rain and it was able to dry out just enough so that we were able to cut it down and get it looking like a normal regular yard instead of this big green freaking jungle that we've been having. The storms and the rain continue to cause issues for me. You know, last week and the week before last, it really had been kind of minor and annoying. You know, just some tall, ugly grass, you know, a bunch of waterlogged plants, yellowing leaves on those plants, and also, um, you know, a, a little bit of poor flower development on um, my tomatoes but i also know that my garden plants would really really love to have some more sunshine Um, the tomatoes and the peppers are really they're ready to have some nice warm uh, sunny days but anyway um the extra rain really brought a bit more trouble for me this past week And that's because we had this giant hackberry tree just completely uproot and fall over thanks to all the excess moisture in the ground. One early, early morning, um, this past week, one of those, we had this giant gust of wind and it just caused this hackberry tree to fall right over. Now, since hackberry trees are fast-growing, they tend to have um, fairly root, uh, fairly shallow root systems compared to um, the slower-growing hardwood trees like oak trees. Hackberries have um, a single tap root that goes straight down into the ground, and once that gets established, it um, sends off like more shallow side roots in looser soils hackberries can develop a strong central taproot and strong side roots um, will develop and to the point where like they're really hard to uproot and um, remove when you're ready to remove a, a hackberry tree now here in taylor and our part of central texas we have that heavy black clay soil which makes it really um, difficult for hackberry trees to um, develop a strong single tap root the clay swells when it gets wet and then it contracts up when it dries and the roots will suffer any time that we have unusual weather conditions, like excess water or extreme drought situations. My huge hackberry tree was truly gigantic. Uh, I gotta say, it's probably like 40 or 50 feet tall. I don't know, I didn't measure it, but it was really, really long and tall. And it was definitely um, top-heavy with the wet soil and the high wind it just got enough momentum to fall over and it took out part of an old established pecan tree that we had and on the way down before it landed it just crushed a good section of the chain link fence and i am really perplexed i have no idea why this stupid tree Didn't hit the house because it was so so close to hitting the house. I Am amazed I am really really um, Fortunate and I lucked out that it didn't hit the house or one of the air conditioner units that was um, right up against the house It was really super close to being a major disaster So I am very grateful that it, it did not cause much more damage because it could have been really really bad Hackberry trees do have a bad reputation, and I'm just going to say it, that after this experience, I am sold. They do have a terrible reputation, and they have totally earned the title of being a shit tree. <laughs> they are that problematic, and, you know, not l- for lots of reasons, not just for falling over and smashing my fence. And... S- and I try not to help, like hold a lot of judgment against plants. I mean, they're just being plants. And hackberries are an excellent source of nectar and pollen for uh, a variety of creatures. Also, the reddish-brown berries um, are enjoyed by all kinds of birds when they ripen in the fall. And because the birds love them so much and they are very prolific, with gobbling them all up. That's why you find hackberries um, that start popping up under fence lines and under utility lines, pretty much anywheres that birds will roost and poop at those hard berries. Hackberries are really, really heat and drought tolerant, and they absolutely do not mind soil conditions they pretty much grow anywhere and you know I've even seen them grow in cracks in the asphalt since they grow really quickly I can see why people would have intentionally planted a hackberry tree because they can provide lots of awesome shade in just a few years Hackberry trees are, the mem- are members of the elm family, but they don't have the disease issues like elms. They have plenty of other issues though, like brittle, weak wood that has a huge tendency to split. Parasitic mistletoe also loves it. And when it attaches to um, a hackberry, It'll get on there, and it will attach itself to the tree, and then it'll start siphoning off water and nutrients. And when this happens, it weakens the hackberry branches even more. Weak limbs are a lot more fragile, and hackberries tend to drop and shed a lot of twigs and branches and limbs. Hackberries can grow up to 80 feet tall, um, but they... They really only live for 20 years or so. Once they start dying, they can be very difficult and very expensive to remove. So between the bird droppings and all those hackberry seeds all over the place, and limbs splitting and breaking off, and then the tendency for them to get top-heavy and fall over when conditions are right, Hackberry trees have earned and deserve their reputation as a shit tree. All right, well, what is going on in your gardens and your yards and with all your wonderful plants? Like I said, right off the bat, we finally got our yard under control, at least for the time being. It's not such a super mess, but Central Texas is expecting more rain and more overcast days, and I am over it. I am so tired of it. Everybody's tired of it, but we just got to deal with it. You can't fix it. I can't fix it. Rain's just got to rain. And I do try to look at the positive side of things. So the silver lining of this is that the extra moisture is really actually good because most of the state of Texas has been in a mild drought for this year and we've been in a rainfall deficit in our part of Texas. The other positive about all this gross wet weather is that it's not gonna last forever. And if it does, then you know, we really have other problems and I'm just honestly just too old and jaded to deal with that right now. So, anyway. (laughs) Another thing around my yard, I have noticed that I've been getting a few blossoms on my giant magnolia tree. This tree, uh, I don't even know how tall, it might be 40 or 50 feet tall. It's taller than our house, so I'm thinking that it has to be as as old as it too. Um, you know, our house is nearly a hundred years old. Maybe our tree is not hundred years old, but I really don't know. I didn't plant it, so I have no idea how old it is. But every June, it puts out these giant dinner plate sized, beautiful, creamy white blossoms, and they are so amazing and they are just so, so Southern looking. In spite of their size, Magnolia Blossoms don't have a heavy, heady fragrance at all. They look like they would be heavily perfumed and really super scented, but they aren't at all. They they do have a surprisingly delicate scent. Mine have a soft lemony, kind of slightly floral scent. It's light, it's pretty, it's subtle, but very, very lovely. Some years we have more flowers on the tree than we do this year, but it's kind of a weird year, so I'm not complaining. We had two heavy snows earlier this year, um, the one that we had in January that dumped just a lot of wet white snow. And then we had that big ice storm in February. And as a result of those two snow events, we lost more than a few large limbs from our big magnolia tree. We actually have two magnolias in our backyard. One is huge and spectacular. The second one, uh, it's average at best. It seems to have a lot of growth issues. I have no idea why it's so puny and crappy looking. I mean, it's a decent sized tree. It was, you know, it was a real legit tree when we moved here 15 years ago. It wasn't like a little seedling that somebody just put in. It was well established when we got here. It looked bad then, it looks bad now. Something happened to it before we got here. I don't I, I don't know, maybe it was bugs, maybe it was something else, but this puny tree is really too big to try to correct at this point. I don't think there's anything that's gonna make it look better. So every year I just kinda <laughs> look at this sickly tree and I'm like, hey, are you going to live this year? You look like you might might want to give up and die. Are you going to die? I don't know. You might live. Anyway, I have no idea what's going on. Um, honestly, I have other things I'm <laughs> trying to keep alive, like little baby plants, some chickens, some cats, my bunnies. I got four kids I'm trying to keep alive, trying to keep me alive, but whatever. Um, (laughs) I got other things to worry about than this, um, one sad looking magnolia tree. Anyway, um, magnolias are actually broadleaf trees and their leaves stay green most of the year. And because they don't drop their leaves every fall, like other deciduous trees, the snow and the ice accumulated on those big, wide, dark glossy leaves and then it just got too heavy from the weight of the snow and the ice and the limbs cracked and crashed to the ground and because of that our big beautiful magnolia tree looks (laughs) really sad since we had to like trim off several um, branches in order to clean up all the damage but you know as a result I'm thinking the the blossoms that we do have are really really high up in the canopy and it's hard to see and the only reason i noticed that they were blooming is because the recent rains and the wind had knocked down um, some of the petals but um, once i noticed that it was blooming i actually went inside the house and i went upstairs to (laughs) um, look out the windows so i could check out our magnolia blossoms Another tree that is blooming right now in my backyard is our mimosa tree. It is just absolutely covered in those wonderful pink fuzzy flowers, and they have these delicate fern-like leaves. Um, If you touch them, they kind kind of curl up a little bit. And right now, it is putting on a magnificent show and it's blooming like crazy and we have lots and lots of green stuff all over the yard but not many flowers but the mimosa tree is killing it i gotta say i absolutely love this tree and i know i know i say that about lots of plants but i really do adore my mimosa tree It smells amazing. And every morning when I'm out in the garden and I'm doing my morning chores, like checking on the bunnies and feeding my chickens, I'll get a whiff of that gorgeous mimosa blossom scent. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And then I just reflexively turn towards the corner of the yard where that mimosa is. That scent is just so amazing. And it's a comforting scent to me, it reminds me of being a kid and being carefree. And once I get that whiff of mimosa, I am suddenly young and carefree again. Even if it's just in my head <laughs> for a little bit, it is really such a powerful and happy scent for me. I, I love it. In the evening after work and... Once the day has had a chance to warm up, the mimosa fragrant, fragrance amplifies and kind of hangs in the air and it's just absolutely intoxicating. I, I can't get enough of it. And on my tree, there's like this small section of low hanging branches and the leaves and the blossoms kind of drape down and I can walk up under those branches and get completely enveloped in this like tent of sweet, delicious mimosa fragrance. You know what? I'm not the only one who is fond of this tree. It's also really popular with all kinds of pollinators. My tree attracts bees, honeybees, butterflies, moths, and even hummingbirds. Um, I saw um, this really huge black. um, Swallowtail, and it was just flitting and fluttering all over the mimosa. It was was really beautiful. Drawing pollinators to the garden is an important goal for me since we have a vegetable garden, we have fruit trees, and we really need pollinators to help um, the flowers to develop into food. So whatever gets pollinators to my yard, I'm on board. I wanna grow it. Okay, now, i know that i'm not supposed to like mimosa trees because they are considered to be very invasive in certain areas of the united states if you go out on the internet and start doing some research on them or if you visit gardening online forums or gardening facebook groups you are going to learn you'll see that mimosa trees are pretty polarizing plants Folks either love them or they despise them. And some people just hate them and they call them messy and trashy and they don't like them for that reason. Others have um, more ecological concerns. They have issues with them spreading and kind of taking over. And then you'll also find others who, like me, just love and adore them. And really have no issues or concerns about them um, spreading throughout the yard. In certain parts of the country, I can totally understand how mimosa trees would be problematic and invasive. There seems to be a lot of negative comments about mimosas um, coming from the deep south in the southern US where they have totally different growing environments than we have here in Central Texas, way different soil and different climates. Things that grow well here just don't grow well over there and vice versa, but the mimosa tree is very adaptable and it can grow in a variety of soils. In areas where mimosas are considered highly invasive, thick stands of mimosa trees can actually block out sunlight and, um, and nutrients for other nearby plants. And they compete with native plants and trees. They can produce lots and lots of seed pods too, which can disperse through the waterways. And in some parts of the country, mimosas um, will pop up on um, like riverbanks and stream banks quite far away from the original tree. The seeds are also incredibly viable. There was a study that I read about, and it showed that like 90% of mimosa seeds were still able to germinate even after five years. And that is really impressive. I totally understand how invasive mimosa trees can be in the right location or the wrong location. Anyway. Just like hackberries, mimosa trees are fast growing and they have weak and kind of brittle wood. Splitting and breaking limbs are a huge issue with um, mimosa trees. Even though they are raggedy and splitty trees, they are also really tough and they are super survivors. A big wind can like blow through and bust up a mimosa tree and leave it all looking janky and wonky, but they always seem to find a way to overcome and recover. They have an incredible ability to re-sprout and rebound. Even when the tops of the trees are damaged, they will send new growth up from the base of the tree and they can quickly grow three feet in one season. For those of us who are Mimosa super fans, it really doesn't matter how busted up they look as long as they have a few beautiful of those feathery and poofy pink blossoms and that divine scent. We just don't care what the rest of the tree or the canopy looks like. For those folks who think Mimosa trees are messy and trashy trees, like when they drop their blossoms and shed some branches. All I got to say about that is, okay, I get it. I have certain things I'm weird about too. They really do have lots of blossoms that fall and branches that drop and it's not a mess to me, but it's a mess to some people, but you know what? Lots of other plants and trees do the same thing. M- you know, my magnolia tree drops these huge leaves and big branches snap off. But overall, the value and the beauty outweigh the annoying aspects. So Oh, um another uh, another tree that I feel the same way about are pecans. But, I mean, pecans, man, their branches and their pecan tassels, they're just freaking all over the place, and I'm allergic to pecan pollen, so it's kind of a big deal to me, but, you know, it's not catastrophic, I'm just going to take like an allergy pill and get the rake or send my kid to pick up sticks, so it is what it is, that's just part of nature, and And what comes down to it, I love the shade from all of these trees. Pecans, magnolias, mimosa, even stupid hackberries. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you will go to www.blacksparrowmusicparlour.com and check out the station and learn about all the great shows and music all coming out of our little station, broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you are out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow & Host Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends, or head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use and subscribe to the Plow & Hose Podcast if you like the flexibility of being able to play pause and rewind my show whenever you want download some episodes and leave a review it's super super quick just click on some stars type up a sentence or two about what you like about the show and then boom you're done it helps others find the show and downloading the um, plow and hose podcast um, also helps provide me with show statistics so please go over to your podcast platform, download any shows that you've missed or that you want to listen to again. Okie dokie. Our summer garden planting window is starting to shut. And even though it's been really mild and damp the past six weeks or so, we are running out of time to plant, um, things directly from seed. We can still plant cantaloupe, warm season greens, okra, southern peas like field peas, cow peas, black eyed peas, pumpkins, and winter squash. We can also plant sweet potato slips um, through the end of June. At this point, if you have transplants that you want to put in the garden, go ahead, do it and do it soon we are so lucky to have these mild temperatures right now at this point in june uh it's usually starting to get really really hot so get those baby transplants in the ground so they have a good chance of getting their roots established before the worst of the summer sun and heat i know i keep saying that like we will actually have summer and sunshine at some point I don't know when that's ever going to happen. Maybe this year we'll we'll get it. I don't know. We'll see. <sighs> Let's just be happy with all the humidity and mosquitoes and tall grass and just relish the fact that some of our plants really really love this weather. Now, normally this time of year, I would be talking about all the things we need to do in order to prepare for the scorching heat and drought-like conditions that we get in a typical Texas summer. But right now, we don't have that. But you know, One thing that you can do that's a really wonderful and great thing to do is to start a compost pile. So if you haven't started one, now is a really awesome time. If you're interested in having the best fertilizer and soil conditioner ever and easy access, then you're gonna wanna start a pile. An effective compost pile is always working. They don't go dormant or take a break when it gets too wet. Unless your compost pile is washing away and floating down the street it's really hard to have a pile that is way too wet because if it's too wet all you have to do is add more dry material to help absorb the excess moisture it's as simple as adding shredded paper or paper towels or even chunks of cardboard to your pile All these things will soak up the extra moisture and keep your compost pile really happy. If you haven't started a compost pile or you want more information on composting, you can check out episode 20 of the Plow and Hose podcast from May 23rd. I spent um, a little bit of time talking about compost basics and how to brew some awesome compost tea that your plants will love for real composting is so stupid easy the soil microbes and the critters will do all the work for us and then they leave behind beautiful rich compost so it's really really great also if your plants are starting to look waterlogged and droopy try adding some compost and some mulch um, to any water stressed plants in your garden both compost and mulch will help absorb some of the extra moisture. Compost will also provide nutrients, and you can um, also add dry granular fertilizer to help address um, nutrient deficiencies. Any well-balanced fertilizer will do. You're going to want a low-dose product, and by that I mean one that has like a low ratio of nutrients. Um, it's that npk number on the package that's nitrogen phosphorus and potassium the number will be like 312 or 555 this product uh, these products will give your plants a little pick me up to help them with any water related stress keeping plants fertilized with a low dose organic product is going to be great because it's really unlikely to cause issues associated with fertilizer burn. Overdoing the fertilizer is just not good because what the plant doesn't use will either stay in the soil or drain off into the water table and waterways. And then if if the fertilizer doesn't drain off and it builds up in the soil, then you risk burning your plants. Um, To me, it's kind of like cooking. You start out with a small amount of pepper or salt, and if that's not enough, you can always add more. But if you add too much, and your salt and pepper will overpower overpower and ruin the other flavors. But, you know, once you ever do the salt and pepper, you can't do a whole lot to fix it when plants are over fertilized, they are gonna let you know. The leaves will start to turn brown, or start to call, they're gonna start to yellow and discolor, and then the edges will turn brown and get kind of crispy. It looks like they've gotten too close to a flame and they start to curl and look a little toasty. Your plant um, will stop growing and those damaged leaves will start to drop off. If you find yourself dealing with fertilizer burn, the best thing you can do is to give your plants lots of water. Not crazy amounts like where you drown your plant and it doesn't drain right and that causes root rot. You know, just a little bit of extra water. Let your pot drain, have time to drain and dry out a little bit. The water is gonna help the excess fertilizer drain away. Kind of like if you drink a bit too much alcohol, drinking lots of water, let your body process the excess alcohol and it helps get it out of your system and you start to feel better. Okay, that's probably like a weird comparison for a plant show, but whatever. I don't think it's too much of a stress for you to understand. At least I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) thank you for joining me again in my backyard. Let's keep our fingers crossed that the rain eases up a bit, or maybe it'll decide to go somewhere else for a little while. Try to enjoy these beautiful, mild days and nights, because they probably aren't going to last much longer. So let's enjoy them while we can. (coughs) (coughs)